0: From News Talk 580-1059-KMJ, this is the Maddie Report, Valley Views Edition. Now here's your host, Mark Kepler. According to a recent statewide survey by the Public Policy Institute of California, homelessness, along with inflation and housing, is among the top three public policy challenges confronting the state. We'll hear about what's being done for the state capitol to address this issue, and then we'll hear from three Valley mayors, Modesto Mayor Sue Wallen, Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer, and Bakersfield Mayor Karen Goh about what they're doing to address homelessness in their communities.
1: Funding for the MADI report is made possible by grants from the California Emerging Technology Fund, leaders in the quest for digital equity. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Fresno State Associated Students, Inc., students serving students. BNSF Railway, moving our economy for 160 years. And the wonderful company. The Maddie Report is also made possible thanks to contributions from Harris Ranch Inn and Restaurant and E&J Gallo Winery. From the Maddie Institute, the Public Policy Institute for the Valley's Four Public Universities, this is the MADI Report with Executive Director of the Maddie Institute, Mark Kepler.
0: Welcome. While homelessness is a problem nationwide, it may be becoming a crisis in California. It's been reported that over 161,000 people experience homelessness in California, living in tents, cars, or on the streets. Who are the homeless? Our guest is Monica Davos. She is with the California Budget and Policy Center. She has some answers on some of the questions we might have. Welcome to the Maddie Report.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So listen, let's, um, you know, you recently put out a fact sheet. I want to kind of go over that. Who is experiencing homelessness in California? One of the, one of the facts you have is that homelessness is temporary for a lot of people, but there are some people that face long-term uh, chronic homelessness. Can you describe what's going on?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. And thanks for bringing it up. I, you know, I wanted to start off with a reminder, though, that uh, really having a place to call home is really the most basic foundation for health and well-being. As you know, not having it really impacts every aspect of your life. Um, but to your question, when we're talking about people who are experiencing homelessness, they tend to be categorized in two main ways. Uh, one is those who are experiencing chronic homelessness, and those who are considered as temporarily homeless. And so, during the last pre-pandemic uh, point in time count we found that roughly 30% of unhoused Californians were considered chronically. And so what this means is that these individuals have a longstanding disability that really impedes their ability to live independently and have been unhoused for at least a year or for multiple periods within a uh, three-year period. And so, um, however, the majority, so roughly 70% of uh, Californians who are homeless, are considered um, as experiencing short-term homelessness, and so huh. oftentimes, like these folks, just fall into homelessness because simply they can't afford a place to live.
0: Yeah, your, your report also says that you know unhoused Californians are primarily single aged adults, smaller share of uh, with families with children and unac- unaccompanied youth. You know, what are the numbers in that regard?
2: Yeah, so adults not with children make up uh, roughly seventy seven percent of the in-house population. So Again, a large majority, uh, and these are folks who are age 25 and older, and it's composed of either sole, sole individuals, couples, groups of adults or non custodial parents. And that's why we say uh, adults not with children. Um, and they're particularly vulnerable to housing and security, um, oftentimes, because adults without children don't qualify for a lot of our social safety right. net programs. Most of those are designed for families, especially the ones that may provide some cash assistance. And the ones that they are eligible for are often quite frankly inadequate and have a lot of barriers to them.
0: And the other major group that I'm sorry. Go, I'm sorry.
2: Oh Oh, no, I was going to go to families. So families actually make up the roughly 14%. And this is followed by like unaccompanied youth and parenting youth, which remain make up the remaining nine percent.
0: what about racial disparities?
2: Yeah, so unfortunately, racial disparities are not new and they're very, very rampant and very visible within California's homeless population. Uh, Black, non-Latinx Californians um, have the most significant disparity as they only make up roughly 5.5% of the state's population, uh, but make up nearly every one in four individuals who made contact with the homeless uh, service response system.
0: You know, you noted in your report that, you know, most of the homelessness is really in, in LA County. Um, over 50%, and you're saying that kind of resources should be allocated according to where the homelessness is. Does that mean, I think the Valley has, uh, San Joaquin Valley has about 7.4% of the homeless in California. Do you think then the Valley should get 7.4% of the housing allocation, uh, and the allocation for the homeless?
2: Yeah, so that's, that's a great point. Uh, so to clarify though, so the LA County specifically has roughly 40%. It's LA County and the South Coast region that have roughly a little over half per or half of California's homeless population. Um, you know. But when we're designing our systems and how we fund our solutions, they really should be proportionate to where the problems are. So in this case, right, it does mean giving money to more region, to areas that have the highest needs. But it's not to say that it's only for those regions. Homelessness exists across every county and every region across
1: California.
0: Yeah, we've got about a minute left, but I did want to ask you this. Um, One of the things you talked about was the aging population uh, and that the unhoused population is aging, um, comprised of a lot more older adults. You know, what are the numbers and why is that?
2: Yeah. So um, unfortunately, we did find that roughly 45 percent of unhoused Californians in adult only households are over the age of 50. Uh, And these are folks that came in contact with the homelessness response system. Um, and fundamentally, this just goes to support the current research that shows that the, age, the homeless population is aging, and this is very alarming, right? Because older adults are falling into homelessness, uh, or obviously, these adults are falling to homelessness at an older age, again because of our weak safety social our weak, our weak social safety net programs specifically for adults, and we know that older adults also have tend to have more underlying health conditions that are really right. So you have you,
0: yeah. your one financial emergency or medical emergency away from homelessness if you're older. Um that's the point. Well I want to thank Monica Davalos with the California Budget and Policy Center for joining us. When we come back, a look at what the state's been doing to address the homelessness situation. That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. You know, according to the nonpartisan legislative analyst office, California has, has more homelessness than any other state in the nation. Indeed, while California represents 12% of the U.S. population, it has 28% of the nation's homelessness. There are another 6%, about 2.5 million Californians, who are teetering right on the edge of homelessness, loss of a job or medical emergency. So it's a big issue. Uh, indeed, it's a statewide issue and it requires a statewide response. Our next guest is Loris Morales. She is housing specialist with the Nonpartisan Legislative Analyst's Office, and she's here to explain some of the state's recent efforts in this regard. So welcome back to the Matty Report. Thank you. So uh, your report, you mentioned that there's, there's been a change now in the relationship between state and local governments when it comes to homelessness. Can you explain?
3: Absolutely. Historically, local governments have provided most of the homelessness assistance in their community, in part relying on state and federal funding. However, as the homelessness crisis has become more acute, the state has upped its role in providing direct financial assistance to local governments um, this funding has largely been flexible, so these communities can make decisions about how to best help people experiencing homelessness um, as they see fit. However, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, the state has also invested significant funding in infrastructure to give people safe place to, to shelter um, during this public health emergency. So overall, we see sort of significant, although sort of largely one-time funding being provided for homelessness from the state to local governments.
0: Yeah, it's kind of amazing too that, you know, in your report, you say that it's not just the 2.5 million that are teetering. There are another 1.5 million that are severely cost impacted by housing too. So this this is this is a huge problem. So there have been a lot of things that have been happening, uh, you know, at, at the state level to kind of address this problem. Can you give us an example of some of the things that they've been doing?
3: Sure, we see sort of over sort of $9.4 billion in funding across various programs that serve sort of to sort of address the needs of people experiencing homelessness across the state. I've already mentioned the flexible aid to local governments and the infrastructure to sort of secure hotels and motels, but there's also other programs. For example, behavioral health services for people experiencing homelessness, as well as funding for local governments to sort of clear encampments, as well as to provide supports for people living in encampments to give them sort of safe place to, to shelter. So these are just a few of the key programs programs, but we also see uh, funding in other departments that sort of have a looser connection. So for example, funding for vets through our CalVets department.
0: Yeah. And I think the, the one that the programs that people probably are aware of is that uh, Project Roomkey and, and uh, Homekey programs, I mean, Roomkey, my understanding is that they're renting hotel rooms uh, for the homeless and, and how Homekey they're actually buying the hotels and making more of a permanent solution. So there's a lot going on there. The governor also has some things in his most recent budget for the 22-23 cycle. What are some of the homelessness proposals he's he's making in the new budget?
3: Yes, the governor's proposing $2 billion in one-time general fund over two years to address really the near-term solutions of people experiencing homelessness to give time for other funding that has been authorized to sort of come online that do provide those long-term solutions. As you mentioned, sort of Home Key is supposed to provide permanent shelter. And so sort of while we give time for that to come online, the governor sort of provides more funding for um, tiny home building, for example. To
0: yeah, those, yeah those, those ADUs, right? Uh, accessible dwelling units or granny flats, as people call them.
3: That's right. Um, as well as more funding to sort of support encampments, to so sort of both sort of provide cleanup efforts, but su- also support individuals living in, in those encampments. Um, so yeah. there's significant increase in funding on that front as well. Yeah, and, and,
0: and, people, and people see those encampments. I'm sure that's a, a political hot issue, frankly, that the governor and politicians want to address because... That's what people see. And then frankly, they complain about, let me ask you this, you know, you guys take a look at this stuff and you've got some recommendations uh, going forward. What are some of the recommendations from your office?
3: Yeah, first off, we'd say that the state has made notable progress since its engagement began to increase in the 2018-19 budget, um, not only by providing sort of more fiscal support directly to local governments and other entities, um, but then also by improving its collaboration with local governments and the information it's collecting. So we have a better sense of what the needs are and in that sort of um, visibility will increase over time um, so that they can sort of continue to make better decisions about how to spend it, its money on this front. Um, yeah. okay. Sort of, but, but despite
4: sorry,
3: this, but sort of despite this progress, we know that the scale of the homeless crisis is, is immense, and sort of significant continued work is necessary. And the state will likely need to maintain a, a fiscal engagement moving forward. And so, we suggest the legislature dedicate this early part of the budget process to really overseeing those prior efforts to really assess sort of what is working well and sort of where are there improvements before significant expansion of programs continues.
0: Yeah, that feedback loop a lot of times. People forget about that, what they're going to kind of focus on is, I want a new program, but you're saying, hey, wait a minute, take a look at what you've already done and see if it's working. Makes a lot of sense. Very, very logical and rational. And that's what we expect from the Legislative analyst Office. I want to thank our guest, Loris Morales, uh, with the nonpartisan Legislative analyst Office for joining us. When we come back, the state has spent billions of dollars addressing homelessness for the last few years. Has it made any impact? That conversation in a moment. This is the Maddie Report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. Now, as noted by the Nonpartisan Public Policy Institute of California, the majority of California's homeless population are unsheltered. Indeed, 70% of the 161,000-plus people who are experiencing homelessness are living in tents, cars, and on the streets. The situation was substantially made worse, obviously, by the pandemic. The state has responded by spending billions of dollars to address homelessness the last few years. The question is, has it had any impact? Our guest is Marisol Cuellar Mejia, who is a research fellow with the PPIC. Welcome to the Maddie Report.
4: Good morning, Mark, and thank you very much for inviting me to be part of today's program.
0: So, listen, I want to ask you, um, there have been a lot of attempts to, to measure the impact of uh, the state's efforts on, on addressing homelessness. There's what's something called the Annual Homelessness Assessment. What was, when was it done and what does it focus on?
5: Yes,
4: so the annual Homeless Assessment Report is a report to the U.S. Congress prepared by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. This report provides national, state, and local level estimates of the number of people experienced homelessness. And these estimates come from point-in-time count conducted on a single night in January. Uh, Also, the report provides data about the inventory of shelter and housing beds available in the community to serve the homeless population. Uh, but one thing that was interesting about last year's report was that because of the pandemic communities were not required to count on sheltered homeless people so the report offers a more limited assessment than usual focusing only on people um in emergency shelters transitional housing and safe havens. and also one thing you know it is important to highlight that as you mentioned the vast majority of the homeless population in california is unsheltered. so that means that this report offers just a you know a, a, a view of a of a chair of the entire homeless population if our in our state
0: and this is a one one night snapshot so but, but i want to ask you what did the report show when it you know, come to, comes to california
4: so when it comes to california uh for that specific population in shelters the report shows that there were about fifty one thousand people experiencing homeless uh shelter homelessness in california in 2021 which marks a seven percent increase from the count in 2020, and also a stance in contrast to what happened at the national level where shelter homeless um, declined by 8%. In fact, California was one of the 14 states uh, that reported increases. And let me tell you, of the 51,000 homeless people in shelters, those people represent 16% of all people uh, uh, in shelters in the country. And also, you know, I think it's important to highlight that the report also includes information on the chronically homeless population, which the Department of Housing and Urban Development defines as individuals with a disability who have been continuously homeless for one year or more. And the Mm -hmm. report shows that that number of individuals, which represents uh, about 36% of all individuals in in shelters in our state, Increased by forty nine percent, which is very significant between two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one, and this really could mean that uh, shelters are doing a much better job targeting To yeah, I was going
0: to yeah, was, the- was gonna ask you that. I mean, wh- why did that number go up? So yeah. you're thinking um, you, you're you're saying that um, when I read your report, without an estimate of the unsheltered population in two thousand twenty one, we cannot determine whether the increase in sheltered homelessness was driven by unsheltered people moving into shelters or by an increase in the number of homeless people. And you think it's the latter. Why?
4: So what I think, um, you know, it is we cannot know for sure, right? But Mm -hmm. we have reasons to believe that it is that increase that we're seeing is driven by unsheltered people moving into shelters. And why we think so, just by looking at, you know, how much money has been spent by the state in creating, you know, projects like Roomkey that house tens of thousands of people. So that's one of the reasons. And the other reason is, at the same time, uh, the state had put in place measures uh, in response to the pandemic, so, such as the eviction moratorium, a stimulus checks, and other safety net uh, benefits that likely protected many individuals and families otherwise, that otherwise they would have fallen into homelessness. They would have
0: fallen into homelessness. Listen, we've only got about 30 seconds left, but I want to ask you about the number of homeless beds in California. How many are for short-term emergency and how many are for long-term so we
4: have about 166,000 uh, beds, and of those, we have that there are about 36% of those serve homeless people in shelters, and 64% are dedicated to serve formerly homeless people, which means that are more long-term housing solutions. And those were the, um, you know, because of the pandemic, the uh, last year, the growth was concentrated in emergency shelter beds. Um, There was additional uh, about 7,000 beds, but during the last decade, really the efforts in the state have concentrated in increasing the number of beds in permanent housing. Yeah,
0: it was a change there because of the pandemic. Well, I want to thank our guest, um, Marisol Cuellar-Mejia with the PPIC. Up next, they say all politics are local, but is that true when it comes to homelessness? This is Mark Kepler for the Manny Report. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Manny Institute. Now, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, Governor Newsom dedicated his 2020 State of the State speech to homelessness. In a recent poll by UC Berkeley's Institute of Government Studies in the LA Times, however, indicated that registered voters uh, are giving the governor, frankly, low marks on his handling of the homelessness issue, with 66% rating his response as either poor or very poor. What are the political implications? Uh, we've got an observer of capital politics with us today, Hannah Wiley with the LA Times. Uh, welcome to the Matty Report.
6: Thanks for having me.
0: So listen, um, you know, the
6: LA Times uh,
0: poll numbers actually have gone up 12% from 2020. That's not a good sign for the governor who has other political aspirations. And he's dealing with a lot of things, right? He's dealing with droughts and wildfires and crime and now homelessness. Now he does have a good budget, but um, what are the implications of this homelessness issue uh, for Democrats going forward?
6: Right. Well, uh, voters are very concerned about homelessness. It's one of the top issues uh, for voters in this state. And uh, you're right that the governor has a plateful of problems to deal with in the Golden State. Um, but homelessness is top of mind for voters. We see it everywhere. Voters see it everywhere. It's something for Democrats to be concerned about, certainly. And uh, But at the end of the day, Democrats dominate the state. They dominate the legislature. They dominate every statewide office in this state. Uh, so it's not much of a concern for Democrats about losing their supermajority or losing some of these positions. It's just that, exactly like you said, for future uh, posts down the road, right. how is it going to reflect on their record?
0: And if we, if we had Dan Walters here, the Cal Matters columnist, he would say, ah, don't worry about it because just as you said, Democrats have supermajorities in both houses. The governor was easily uh, handle the recall and probably will, frankly, the re-election. reelection. Um, but long-term prospects, he needs to pay attention to this. One of the things that you've written about is his calif- uh, what is his care court, I think it's called, proposal um, that would give uh, people with severe mental health and addiction problems a kind of court-ordered treatment. This is different than what he was talking about earlier in terms of conservativeships. H- how is it different? Um, and, you know, tell us a little bit about that.
6: Sure. So back in January, when Newsom unveiled his budget proposal, as he does every year, he talked about wanting to lean into conservatorships this year. Uh, and instead, a couple of months later, in early March, he introduced a proposal that he's dubbed the CARE Court. Uh, and it is not quite a conservatorship, but it is certainly a step in that direction. Uh, and it would compel people into treatment who have severe mental health, behavioral issues, um, substance abuse disorders, et cetera. Uh, it's not a conservatorship, uh, which that that concept, that idea, that law is very controversial. So uh, in some ways, this has allowed Newsom to sidestep some of the criticism of uh, enforcing or strengthening conservatorships. Um, but to be sure, it is along those lines.
0: Yeah, they kind of, they're viewed, I guess, more as like a partnership with, with the person being treated. I guess if it doesn't work, then they move to the next level could be conservative. Sure, right. um, you know, uh, interesting, there's some bipartisan support for this proposal. You've got you know, people like Bakersfield Mayor Karen uh, Go or Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer indicating some support. Uh, you're seeing some Republican proposals on homelessness actually being picked up by Democrats, who, of course, have those super majorities. Are we seeing a breakout of bipartisanship at the Capitol?
6: Uh, well, I wouldn't hold your breath. I mean, Republicans often, um, you know, point to Democratic proposals to solve homelessness. And certainly with this care court proposal saying, you know, certainly this is what we need to do, but this is also a mess of your making. So it's a little bit too late, uh, you know, a little too late, um, too little too late. And and so there's the uh, there is the idea that, um, the idea of bipartisanship, uh, they might vote for the proposal. They might um, nod their head in the direction positively, but um, to be sure, Republicans have also criticized Democrats for not doing enough earlier.
0: Which is where I was going to go with the next one I was thinking. After I was thinking about that, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I should come back to react here and say that, you know, if Republicans are trying to come back into power, the two issues they're probably going to focus on are homelessness and crime. Uh, voters say those are the really big issues. So um, so we're not going to really see the, 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 this bipartisanship that maybe we hope for. Maybe Republicans are going to use this issue, particularly homelessness, as a way to kind of get back into relevance in California.
6: Uh, possibly. I mean, they're always trying to be relevant. Their uh, their membership in the legislature is dwindling. Um, but this could be the year that they might be able to pick up one or two seats. Uh, that, um, you know, is in doubt also. But I think they're looking at uh, lower polling around crime and homelessness as the opportunity that they have the solutions right. for, um, uh, you know, according to, to them and their campaign strategists, that this is the year to really uh, get a couple of things done or get a couple more seats yeah. in the legislature.
0: Yeah, from what I understand, looking at the redistricting, they really don't are going to have a hard, that's gonna be much of a chance in the assembly. But in the Senate, they could possibly, you know, at least overcome the supermajority. But I guess we'll see. I want to thank Hannah Wiley with the LA Times for joining us, as well as our other guests. This is Mark Kepler for the Matter Report. Thanks for joining us. The Maddie Report, Valley Views Edition, is a public affairs partnership between KMJ Radio, Cumulus Media, and the nonpartisan Maddie Institute, providing the Valley with valuable insight and analysis on politics and important public policy issues. This is KMJ. Up next, how are Valley cities addressing the issue of homelessness? We'll ask Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer, Bakersfield Mayor Karen Goh, and Modesto Mayor Sue Zwollin. That conversation in a moment. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. You know, homelessness is an issue throughout the state, including here in the San Joaquin Valley. One person who has a unique perspective on the issue is Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer, who before became mayor, was Fresno's chief of uh, police for 18 years. Welcome back to the Maddie, Maddie Report uh, Valley Views Edition. Ch- uh, Ch- I was going to call you Chief Dyer, Mayor Dyer. 18, it's, <laughs> it's hard It's hard to get that on your mind after 18 years. <laughs>
7: Thank you, Mark. Good to be on the show.
0: Mo- most of my adult life, uh, Mayor. Um, Anyway, i wanted to ask you, so can you tell us a little bit about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of the homelessness uh, problem in the city of Fresno?
7: In, in terms of the, the who's out there on our streets today, it's very complex. We have people that have certainly fallen on hard times economically, uh, but we see a lot of people out there that are addicted to either alcohol or drugs. The people that are um, facing mental health issues, some of them with a higher acuity level than others. Uh, and then some people, uh, very rare, that really have just made that their 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 choice in life to be to be homeless. But it's as a result of bad circumstances or bad decisions, but that's who's out on our streets today. And some best domestic violence victims and their families.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, if, if you were kind of to split it between uh, those that are chronically homeless, right, um, and those that are intermittently homeless, those because of, you know, a financial situation, whatever, they end up homeless. I mean, what's the split? Is it like, you know, two-thirds Intermittently homeless and, and one third you know chronically homeless. How does it break down?
7: I, I would say about twenty percent of the people out there that have a uh, some type of a, a mental uh, illness that doesn't allow them to make good choices about even selecting services and housing. And then there's a um, I would say of the eighty percent out there, you're you're probably looking at uh, you know forty fifty percent of those that are have some form of an addiction. And uh, there's a combination of factors. Some of them have mental health issues, addiction. Some of them could be uh, veterans. Uh, so there's a there's a combination of factors. Not Well, it's
0: kind of you know, I was thinking about this issue. It's kind of like the stressors, whether it's loss of job or you're, you're a veteran and you're, you're dealing with issues. Those stressors lead to addiction, leads to homelessness. Um, it's kind of a, it kind of builds on each other.
7: And could lead, if you're out there long enough, to mental health issues. So, yeah, it's a combination of uh, factors. And I go out there firsthand on relocations or relocating folks into the emergency shelter. And I have conversations with, I've had conversations literally with hundreds of them. And so, um, you know, I've got a pretty good firsthand um, feel for who's out there in our streets in Fresno. Well,
0: let me ask you this. Um. Given your unique experience, uh, how do you see the homelessness issue? Is it a primarily a public safety issue? Is it a substance abuse issue? Is it an economic issue? How do you see it? I see it
7: as a community issue that unfortunately has fallen in the hands of law enforcement far too often and government. And really, it is all of our um, issue. Uh, there are family members that are out there. Uh, we love them right where they're at, but we're not willing to leave them where they're at. And so I've taken the approach that we're not going to displace these folks uh, we're going to treat them like human beings compassionately. Uh, we're going to offer them emergency shelter and services and then transition them back into a normal lifestyle. That's the premise behind uh, Project Off-Ramp. And so that's that's what we're doing. And, and we're having tremendous success, but it's going to take us a long time um, to, to get where we need to be because it took us a long time to get where we're at.
0: You know, it's interesting that this is, even hits hit my family. Um, I have an uncle who happened to be... Uh, the assistant chief of police in a town in New Jersey. Uh, unfortunately his son had a drug addiction uh, and ended up homelessness. He ended up overdosing, he ended up dying. So, you know, these are these these issues hit, hit all families. Uh, so it's 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 a sad situation. You know, you're you're doing a lot to try to address this issue. Uh, what actions are you taking to address the issue of homelessness in Fresno?
7: Well, we started with our freeways, Mark, which was the most visible. And um, we pushed the 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 issue. We worked closely with Um, California Air Patrol, Caltrans, uh, Pavarolo House, Rescue Mission, our service agencies. And we uh, launched a um, project off-ramp. And that was an off-ramp from the freeways and a life of homelessness and hopelessness to an on-ramp to housing services and a productive life. And, you you know, you fast forward today, we had 650 people out there on our freeways uh, a year and a half ago, or today we have zero. And those people, about 80% of them took advantage of housing and services. And about 50% of those have, um, moved on to more permanent housing. uh, and in some cases transitioned back with family. So it's, it's a matter of offering services, offering shelter and recognizing though, that it's beyond emergency shelter that we need. We need permanent housing in our community, which is our next phase.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk a little about that. You know, this uh, $259 million, one Fresno housing plan. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, that, that's a lot of money. I know you're not assuming that the city is going to pick that up. That money is going to come probably from state and federal grants. Um, you know, you have to apply for them, obviously. But it seems like Fresno, given its socioeconomic situation, would be pretty competitive. I mean, but it's a lot of money. I mean, it's a yes. quarter of a billion dollars. So we're so about, me about, a little bit about that.
7: Yeah, about hundred and. Um, $5 million of that is for housing uh, to support the 47 policy recommendations that we came up with in that uh, strategy. And then the other is for homelessness. So um, there are a lot of dollars out there at the state level through um, what's called Home Key and a number of other um, homeless initiatives uh, that, that we've been provided millions and millions of dollars and we will continue to over the next few years. There's also some federal dollars out there for, for housing and homeless, so uh, we're going to have to do our fair share as within our general fund and our American Rescue Fund, I'm getting ready to roll out a significant um, investment in housing uh, through the American Rescue Funds and, and the city's general fund, but it's, it's a combination of those factors, state, federal, local dollars, but it's not um, something that is out of the, the realm of possibility. We can get it done. Uh, the monies are going well, to be. Yeah,
0: this- well, the governor's has got in his last two budgets. I mean, something like fourteen billion dollars, like twelve billion dollars. Two budgets ago, two billion dollars in this budget. A lot of money for on the homelessness issue.
7: Yeah, we the the thirteen big city mayors. We we have um, worked with the governor and the legislature to provide three billion dollars. That's a, a a billion dollars a year over three years to those 13 cities for services, and shelter and innovative housing. Um, All of those, and I believe it's going to happen. I really believe it's going to happen. So uh, we're just waiting in the wings now, waiting for that to be approved by the, not just the governor, but the legislature as well. And that's going to sustain us over the next three years and uh, give us that boost that we need.
0: You know, one of the things they talk about sometimes are these like, I don't know, mini dwelling units, accessory dwelling units. I mean, but then you hear you read stories about how expensive they are to put together these small units. Uh, that is that one strategy, at least the units themselves, these, these AD, they're called ADUs uh, or granny flats, I guess you would also call them. Is that part of the strategy and and any idea how much each one of those are going to cost?
7: It's, it's one of the strategies and there's different types. There's pallet shelters, there's tiny homes different sizes of tiny homes. What a lot of folks don't know is the largest tiny home manufacturer uh, is right here in Fresno, California tiny homes. And we've been uh, meeting with them, getting ready to partner on a project. Uh, the, the, the one bedroom homes um, range, they're around $89,000, two bedroom up around 129. Um, and then there's obviously hookup and services. We're gonna be placing those tiny homes at some of our mobile home parks in Fresno on their vacant pads. That's one of the strategies, but we also have some land that we've identified in Fresno where we can do some of those tiny home villages, uh, and again, that's one of the strategies. And and we're we have dollars set aside, and we'll be setting aside more dollars uh, for those types of uh, programs.
0: Yeah, let me ask you this: um, You're a pretty optimistic guy generally, um, but you know a lot of people say this is an intractable problem. We we can't fix this. There's always going to be homelessness. I mean, what is what is your sense of that? Uh, what makes? Well, let me ask you this: What makes you think it isn't? an intractable problem. Why do you think you can solve this problem?
7: Well, I think our problem is the fact that we've said it doesn't have a solution. And we've allowed that to become um, somewhat of a a paralysis force over the years. It can be solved and it will be solved. Give us four years in the city of Fresno with the dollars that we have from the state and the federal government, the partnerships that we have in place and the strategy under the One Fresno uh, Housing Strategy give us four years and you're going to look back in four years and and say, where did the homeless go? Just like today, when you drive our freeways and the thing that we look around and say, where did the homeless go? That's what's going to happen to our city. I'm very confident of it, but we got to be steadfast with the plan.
0: We've only got about a minute left in the segment, but I wanted to ask you, you know, so what is the measure of success? Zero homeless in, in three or four years or some very small percentage? I mean, Man, going to zero, that's that's a pretty audacious goal. I, I think
7: we need an audacious goal. I think we should be satisfied with nothing less than zero. If we fall short of that, uh, we'll take it. But our goal has to be no one is unsheltered or homeless in our city.
0: Okay, well, I want to thank uh, Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer for joining us. What about the Valley's other big city? What's, what's the situation in Bakersfield? Is it better or worse? And what are they doing about it? Up next, a discussion with Bakersfield Mayor Karen Goh. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Man Institute. You know, while some might be surprised, Bakersfield is actually the ninth largest city in California, and as such, is having to confront many of the same problems other large cities are confronting, such as homelessness. Our guest is Bakersfield Mayor Karen Go. Welcome back to the Maddie Report Valley Views edition, Mayor.
5: Thank you so much. It's always a joy to be here.
0: Well, listen. Well, thank you. Well, first of all, let me ask you: Can you tell us what can you tell us about the demographics of the homeless population in Bakersfield? Is it the same as it's always been, or has it changed, and if so, how?
5: We had a very positive, significant change this last year during our PIT count, and that is the reversal of folks who were sheltered versus those who were unsheltered. And this year of our total count, 54% were sheltered and 45% were unshelters. In the past, it's always been we've had more unsheltered individuals. And that is very significant because what we want to do is to get people off the streets and off the river.
0: Right, that, that, that's a really important point. Uh, that, that's really interesting. Uh, can I ask, do you know why those numbers flipped?
5: Of course we know why the numbers reverse. That's exactly what we, what we want. And actually, just to give you some context, with the sheltered, it was a 34% positive change from the prior pit and with the unshelters, negative 27 from our prior pit. And that is because of our investment in making sure that we have emergency shelters and then long term supportive housing. So everything from emergency shelters to transitional places, and then all the way to permanent supportive housing. And there's been such an emphasis in California on that.
0: Yeah, and you were talking about. Pitt, I think you're calling I think we're
5: talking referring to as the survey they do every annually on homelessness. Yes, the pit count or the point in time count. So that's done nationally every right. year. And that just gives us a snapshot of one day, but we're able to see some trends that way.
0: yeah that, that that's really good. You know, I, I was I know you've been really interested in the state's uh, mental health and substance abuse crisis as it relates to homelessness. I mean, you've written about it. He wrote something recently uh, along the lines of, and I'll give a quote here from your, your op ed quote, California faces a mental health crisis and substance abuse crisis. There is, there is no more uh, viable, I'm sorry, visible manifestation of this crisis than the hundreds of homeless people living on our streets, unquote. And you've even gone so far as to sign letters with California's other 12 big city mayors that are really calling for really systemic change in the way the state is addressing these issues. And to underscore the significance of that, uh, this is the first time California's big city mayors, and we're talking about a bipartisan group here, uh, have co-sponsored legislation um, as a coalition. So what exactly are you calling for?
5: Well, the toll of homelessness across our state causes irreparable harm to our most vulnerable. And we agree on this, all of us together with big city mayors. And this threatens to forever impact the quality of life of our residents and of our businesses. For a long time, cities, including the city of Bakersfield, uh, we were not in the business of social services. We looked to the county social services, to the county continuum of care to address homelessness, mental health, and substance abuse. But we couldn't wait. The crisis that we see here, the paramount crisis is just too great. And that crisis demanded an immediate response. So we have to, we agreed that we have to address the humanitarian aspect, those in the, facing the challenge of homelessness, but also the impact of homelessness on our residents and on our businesses. And so before it was counties, now cities are joining together. We're on the front line of uh, uh, addressing this challenge. And we have had many successes, but we're also recognizing our limitations. And yeah, so it's
0: interesting, it's, just, it's interesting you say that because you're right. And this has typically been a county issue, right? And it's increasingly becoming a city
3: issue.
5: Yes, we don't get any of the $11 billion that the county gets for mental health services, but what we see is the uh, homelessness is affecting us in even our support through our police, our fire department, emergency medical services, our parks and all of that. So those areas are bearing the brunt. What we've come to see is in spite of creating and building so many new emergency shelters which have done great good for many, many people. We cannot clean our way out of homelessness. So we've done a lot of that trying to clean up riverbeds and clean up our streets, and we can't build enough of shelters to change the long-term trajectory of homelessness. And so what we have is California faces a mental health and substance abuse crisis. And we're watching in horror as people decompose before our very eyes. And so that's where the big city mayors, the League of California Cities have realized we have to really join together with our county and do something about this.
0: So, what, so you're, you're, there's something called care courts that I think you, you support, um, trying to get mental health services for folks who really need it.
5: Yes, so the big city mayors took a position in support of care court that would allow people to refer individuals with severe mental illness or substance abuse disorders to be prioritized and required to participate in treatment through a court-ordered care plan. So people suffering from untreated schizophrenia spectrum or psychotic disorders can receive the support, can receive the care that they need. We can't go another five decades and just not modernize our mental health system. And so the other thing that we supported was a package of bills that Senator Eggman brought forth to reform our mental health system.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you're really going after the systemic problem here and you're going after the the root cause of the problem as opposed to addressing it after the fact of being proactive, which is really interesting. We've only got about 20 seconds or so left, but I want to ask you really quickly, um, state and federal assistance, are you getting enough money and support financially from the federal and state government to address this
5: problem? Mark, are we getting enough? We can never get enough, but we are getting support and we are so grateful for that. But in spite of the support that we're getting, probably anywhere about 4.9, dollars 4800000 of dollars from each of those, the city of Bakersfield invests $11 million annually of our own money to support homelessness. We have you, to address this issue. It
0: shows what a big big issue this is. Thank you very much, Mayor Goh, for joining us. Up next, we're going to go to the other end of the valley and talk with Modesto Mayor Susan Zwahlen about Modesto's experience with homelessness. How does Modesto compare with other valley cities, and what are some of the strategies it is using to address the problem? That conversation in a moment. This is the Manny Report, Valley Views edition. Welcome back. I'm Mark Kepler with the Maddie Institute. You know, in the North Valley, Modesto is one city that has seen explosive growth, attracting Bay Area homebuyers and dramatically driving up housing prices, leaving some scrambling to find housing. What impact, if any, has this had on the homelessness issue in Modesto? Our guest is the mayor of Modesto, Suze Wallen. Uh, Welcome to the Maddie Report Valley Views Edition.
8: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today.
0: Well, you know, I was wondering, um, so what's the state of homelessness in in Modesto? And by the way, is, is finding affordable housing causing part of the problem?
8: Well, I'll start out with the first part of the question and uh, just say that some of our residents are really struggling. There's no doubt about that. And we are really working diligently to assist them. I did spend 40 plus years of my life as an emergency room nurse. And there I saw firsthand the extremely difficult uh, health situations that people have that often contribute to homelessness. And those can include cancer, addiction, diabetes, and mental illness. So it's really complicated. Um, There's, you know, if these conditions are uh, treated, uh, they can really help people. If they're not, they can lead to job loss, Ah, uh, poverty and sometimes even disconnection from family and friends, which you know makes a big impact on their lives. So my philosophy is we must treat them one by one, and uh, each person has their own unique needs. So homelessness truly is can, does continue to be a struggle in our community, but our city continues to make it a top priority.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting you know homelessness it, it, you know they've got the two really different kinds of homelessness there's the chronic homelessness you know uh, drug abuse and those kinds of things and there's the intermittent homelessness where someone loses a job and all of a sudden they can't afford can't afford uh the rent let me ask you this you know you've been on you were on the school board prior to becoming mayor uh, I'm wondering if you see any connection between education and addressing homelessness
8: I sure do absolutely and um, we have lots of data that shows statistically that youth without a high school diploma were 346% more likely to experience homelessness than those with a, even a diploma or a GED. Wow. So, and and we know that someone without a high school diploma uh, is three times as likely to uh, be homeless as someone with a bachelor's degree. So it's hugely impactful. And uh, I really enjoyed my eight years on the school board. And I learned that a college degree is much more than uh, than uh, just the certificate and student debt. Uh, and you know what you know.
0: You know what that does. shows. I'm sorry for you. Know what that shows, though, is the systemic nature of homelessness. It's not just one thing, right? Education fits into this. The economy, jobs, fits into this. Sub substance subs abuse, the healthcare, fits into this. A lot of things is, that inter- interact with the issue of homelessness. You now I noticed that you uh, have been a member of the Stanislaus County Focus on the Prevention for Homelessness Strengthening Families Action Council. I'm just wondering how that's informed your views on homelessness, homelessness and uh, the best way to address it.
8: Right. Yeah, that was a great experience. It was a countywide initiative that aimed to improve the quality of life for everyone in Stanislaus County. And it was this coordinated effort through these multiple sectors of entertainment, art, sports, uh, religion, uh, that looked at ways to have this transformative culture change, which I would love to see in our community because everyone has different attitudes about homelessness. And this was an effort to bring it to light. And uh, I certainly did through this initiative and my previous background in healthcare, learn that there are many ways to approach it. And I hope that we can continue with those partnerships to address it more thoroughly. Do
0: you think maybe that's something that could be scaled up that actually could be, you know, something bigger than it, than it was originally be a template for, for, for action.
8: Yeah. I think, I mean, that was the purpose and it's there again, County driven. I'm with the city. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're, they're looking at ways it did. I mean, it led to some school to career Initiatives and uh, more about with families participating in a healthy economy and got some neighborhoods together to address the issues. So it really did bring people together, uh, and I think that it really will help going forward with whatever we do decide to go forward with.
0: So that 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 kind of that's a good segue to my next question. I was wondering what are some of the different ways that the city of Modesto is combating homelessness and um, how you're connecting individuals with the services they need. Some of those chronically you know chronic homelessness folks that that just in the system forever
8: well this is something i could and you know spend a lot more than this short amount of time on and i'm really excited about we've titled our solution camp to home and what it is is a path to self-sufficiency and it involves outreach shelter job training permanent employment and permanent permanent housing uh and so it kind of we we take people and it also in conjunction works with our downtown streets teams where our homeless people um help uh work in sort of a management team to clean our downtown area but then they're also working on getting the necessary documents that they need to be successful in finding jobs and uh permanent housing so i'm really excited about that it's it's sort of a pipeline to uh, for people individually to find ways to the ultimate goal of housing.
0: That, that's, that's really interesting to try to you know, connect them with jobs and get them into mainstream them back into society, I guess. Um, let, let me ask you this, you know, some shake their heads and they say, you know, homelessness is just an intractable problem. It's never gonna go away. What, what do you think? Um, are you more optimistic? Is it a solvable problem? Or is some amount of homelessness something we're just gonna have to accept?
8: I am optimistic i'm always optimistic Uh, many of these root causes need to need to be addressed as i mentioned previously such as substance abuse mental illness and uh, poverty but these are all treatable conditions and um so i think that we can do our best to offer help and services sometimes assistance will be turned down but uh then we try again and then again and again, and and it's an, uh, meeting the individual needs of people that are very unique. And that's how I believe that we'll solve it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to see some of the work being done throughout the Valley and we can all learn from each other, but some of the concepts going on in Modesto um, really make a lot of sense. Maybe other cities ought to be looking at what you guys are doing. Well, i want to thank our guests, uh, Modesto Mayor Suze Wallen, Fresno Mayor Jerry Dyer, and Bakersfield Mayor Karen Goh for joining us. This is Mark Kepler for the Maddie Report Valley Views Edition. Thank you for joining us. The Maddie Institute has become one of the most active public policy institutes in California because of support of people like you. Because of that support, the Maddie Institute has been able to highlight San Joaquin Valley issues that are often overlooked by those in Sacramento and Washington. If you want the Valley to have a strong voice, and you believe in a fact-based, bipartisan, and problem-solving approach to politics and public policy, please consider joining us as a Maddie Associate. You can learn more at maddieinstitute.org. The Matty Report, Valley Views Edition, is a public affairs partnership between KMJ Radio, Cumulus Media, and the nonpartisan Maddie Institute, providing the Valley with valuable insight and analysis on politics and important public policy issues. This is KMJ.